0: Hello and welcome to episode number 11 of For Fit Sake, the podcast brought to you by FS Gyms. Rory McInerney here joined by. Kieran Ruddock. There he is. Uh, Rods. before we uh, get into the Johnny Sexton interview and kind of talk through our highlights of it, what an incredible weekend of sport!
1: It was absolutely amazing. Um, obviously, I sat down to watch the Island game on Saturday and. Uh, I was just so impressed with how good we were. Yeah, phenomenal.
0: Like I just think that we kind of blew England away in nearly every facet of the game. I thought England were very good, much improved, but uh like I think Rob Kearney said into afterwards that the you know, that team now fancies themselves to, to take on anyone in the world and it's gonna be very exciting leading into the World Cup next year, I think.
1: Yeah. Um it was heroic stuff. The defence was just unbelievable
0: and I I kind of one of the things from listening back and doing the edits on the podcast interview with Johnny um, you'll hear it throughout but what I found interesting about him was that obviously a really highly motivated individual very motivated by his own performance level and and how the role that he plays in the team um. but he was really motivated by basically craving the scenes that you saw on Saturday afterwards when they're all on the pitch in the dressing room that sort of feeling that you can only get from achieving something with a team and with a group of players you, you could really tell from when we sat down and talked to him that that's what really excites him uh, you know him obviously from playing with him and from coaching him but um, like it's so happy to see him get exactly what he craves at the weekend
1: yeah I'm absolutely delighted for him um, I think that like you said those moments are so hard to replicate Um, just in terms of my own career like they're the best moments, the half an hour after you've won something with the people you've won it with. Um, it's very, very hard to replicate that in any other kind of sporting context.
0: And he was talking about as well after the the France game, like what obviously that the, we got our hands on him just after the, uh, the Wales match. We had to wait to release the episode till the Six Nations was done and dusted. We got the orders directly from the top to make sure we weren't just, uh, distracting him. But, um, like he talked about, uh, the, this, the, they had their own cameras at the match they had their own footage of the whole team running on after he got the drop kick obviously we saw bits of it but uh, he said when they were doing the review they sat down looking at their own footage and all the the backroom team were on the pitch with them as well as the players and he talked you could see how lit up and animated he was getting talking about that it was incredible
1: yeah uh, there's there's nothing beats that kind of uh, well everything that went on in the Six Nations that drop goal the win, how well we played the whole time and everyone involved should be yeah, very, very proud of Really what they proud of themselves. So, we won't delay, we're going to roll the footage. Enjoy the interview.
0: <laughs> All right, Johnny, thanks for joining us. Um, fair play to you for not blowing us off with Storm Emma. I was certain when Rudd's <laughs> text yesterday you'd be telling us you couldn't make it in. Uh, how was
2: your journey in? It was grand. The doors fits past. Uh, dug myself out yesterday morning uh, to get to physio and, and training. So, uh, all the hard work was done yesterday. scraping the the snow out of the drive um so it was i think the snow was was great for a couple of days now it's just a bit of a pain in the arse yeah probably uh, head wrecked in the house for a couple of days Or yeah i got a taste of what it's like to be a, a stay at home dad uh, <laughs> definitely don't want to go into that too soon yeah. uh, it was tough work like it was uh cabin fever stuff like you know because the kids my, my kids are three and a half and, and two so they're probably just a little bit young to be gone out and spending hours out in the snow and uh, getting on the sleds and stuff like that so they were uh, locked inside and uh, a know, lot like, of energy you know. built up yeah exactly so uh, busy couple of days tiring couple of days doing yeah. nothing <laughs> yeah and Rose you an interesting journey in this morning
1: yeah a bit of a false start uh, this morning I am. Um, set out going because when we rescheduled to do this podcast for later uh, I realised I could go help Mike with the classes so I said I'll get up early I'll go help Mike with the classes I'll do some work in here I'll train and then we'll do this and it'll be a good day so I got up I uh, got out to the car like in 45 minutes early and I was like oh, sure I'll just drive the car out there but the, n- nothing's been done to the estate and in my arrogance I put it into reverse and then reversed off the curve and went straight down into the snow and then couldn't move so I literally just <laughs> put it into the middle of the road when everyone could have got out and just blocked the road. And then (laughs) uh, myself and Sarah had no shovels so we used um, hot water and a stick and we did that for about about, about 30 minutes and then someone came out and helped us. Give you a tour or just Uh, kind of dig you out? No, they dug us out. uh, And then... um, then we we got a lift in here, so it was it was grand. Well, as much as I'd love to keep chatting about the weather, we're here to chat to
0: Johnny about um, the habits and mindset of elite athletes, and uh, I don't think we could have much better guests to have in with us. So, Johnny, the first thing we kind of want to talk about was um, at FFS You've obviously been a bit of training with Rods here in the past, and you'd known fairly well from his time in, in the academy. And he's a guy who really everything in his coaching philosophy is built on habits and setting good habits. Uh, and what we want to know is is there any habits that you have? that have helped you perform at an elite level for such a long period of time is there any real real staple habits that you have as part of your training practice
2: yeah i think uh without actually knowing their habits they're probably you know habits now um if you take an example of nutrition like you know having having good nutrition uh you know my old habits as a as a young guy would have been having you know toast and, and a cereal before i go bed like l- last thing at night like where uh you know that it's The worst thing to be to be having at that time so a lot of the stuff i do now is probably just like uh, a habit um that i don't even know is a habit and that it's not even you know conscious i I just i just do it you know even in and around your training like getting up early i've I've, over the last couple of years i struggled a little bit with with some soft tissue injuries so um started this new thing i I went out to santry this time last year uh, just over a year ago and, and spent six weeks with a guy out there in the king and just opened my eyes into into what I should have been doing in terms of training like an athlete almost. Um I know we're meant to be athletes, rugby players, but we're That's so strange kinda ten we're years. We're not up, really, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, like I was just doing a lot of the wrong things. Um and I wish I had met this guy ten years ago. Um I think he would have would have Definitely got me over, you know, a lot of these sort of little niggles that I was, that I was picking up. I've been very lucky. I, I'd had with, with injuries over my career in terms of, you know, I've, I've played with guys, uh, Kieran, you're the same that, uh, have had sort of two, three, sometimes four nine month injuries you know what i mean that's almost four years of your career gone i've been very lucky i've had none i've I've had probably 12 weeks has been the longest layoff i've had um so you know blessed in some ways but again i'd have loved to met this guy earlier and and he sort of got me onto a routine of you know first thing in the morning getting into the gym and just getting just getting switched on and and now it's a habit you know now i i get up every morning and, and go in and work with the you know, whether it's a physio or the rehab guy and I just get in and, and get everything switched on and, and touch wood. It's kept me, you know, over the last 18 months, you know, you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to, you know, it's rugby. It's, it's a physical sport. You're going to pick up knocks, but, um, being able to just stay. F- you know fitter for for a longer period of time has has definitely helped me and and then you get some form back it's um it's amazing how if you can just get a continued run of training with games um you know you start playing to close to potential again and was there anything in particular he was doing with you that you weren't doing before was it like with that kind
0: of getting in and switching on in the gym is it foam rolling is it movement based stuff or what's it what does he have you doing
2: yeah well before i would have gone in and just done a load of foam rolling but it's not what 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 I needed I needed something different I needed to you know in certain parts of my body to to switch them on to actually get them activated the muscles and then other parts of my body to to just open them up so um you know he was the first guy to sort of get at me but you know a lot of people would have seen me over the years on bad posture my rounded shoulders and uh, they sort of just accepted it that's the way you are but now he was the first one to kind of say right you need to you know work on that you know getting your upper back loosened out because you know you're not rotating well and, and that's probably some of the reason why you're picking up these little hamstring strains that were you know were never serious in themselves but they were getting frustrating that you know it was like a hamstring strain off for 10 days back for a couple of yeah. games another one so um like I said, it hasn't been perfect, but it's been a hell of a lot better. And, and you're talking about habits. It's just getting into that. It was hard at the start, getting up at half six, seven every morning, yeah. and getting into the gym for an hour. And it was hard work almost, but now it's, now it's easy. It's, it's built into me. It's, it's just what I do now. And it's, uh, it's been great.
0: And is there any way that you kind of make that enjoyable for yourself? Cause I know, like, with a lot of people we'd have in the gym come back from injuries, whether it's sports or even like post operation, like r- rehab is, terribly boring to most people um like is there any kind of tips you'd have for people to to make it exciting or make it interesting
2: no look it's still the worst place to be in rehab and and, you know in those sessions where you know other guys don't have to do them it's it's they're tough you know it would be a lot easier if you're sitting in the canteen with the boys having having coffee and a long breakfast uh but you know different things work for different people so it, it can be tough um you know just making sure you know, I get my coffee in beforehand. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a good place in Klonski, drive through coffee, so I'm there waiting for them a lot of mornings to open. They open at 7, so... Where's, where's there, that? It's on the Dundrum, uh, the road, Dundrum road, I think it's okay. called, and it's, uh, yeah, you just drive up, get your coffee. Um, Ideal. Yeah, and then drink it on the way to training. And once I have that, I'm okay. If I don't have that, I'm like a bear. You, you were uh, telling us before we went down air that um,
0: you're limiting your coffee at the minute. You have to be careful how much you take in.
2: Yeah, for a few reasons. I think, uh, look, I I used to be on four or five a day. I think uh, even last summer when we were in New Zealand, we were all jet lagged. We were up at 5, 6 a.m., um, you know, so we had three or four hours to burn before training. So we would down to a coffee shop and it would be five or six coffees deep before you know it. And, <laughs> and you can barely walk straight, never mind. Uh, yeah. You know, you go through the giddy phase and then you crash and then you're like almost. Give me more uh, coffee. Uh, yeah, you <laughs> you burn out. Yeah. Uh, so I've been trying to cut down um, more to get a kick during the game when you when you have your your coffee your caffeine pregame, uh, but also I just feel I'm sleeping better. Um, you know, I, I when I was injured about eighteen months ago as well, I I, uh, I, I did like a, I had a lot of spare time, so I got like bloods done. Uh, you know, you get your urine tested stools, and then you find out a lot about yourself. Um, you know, I had five or six weeks off, so I just said I'm going to, you know take everything to the next level with nutrition and all that so went and did all those things and and found that you know cortisol uh my levels would be pretty high for stressed individuals so uh you know coffee and that would you know they don't they don't mix well together so i'm just trying to limit it down for that reason and and sort of take a more of a relaxed approach to you know uh, training which sounds sort of uh makes sense yeah but you know obviously training hard but um you know, not getting too stressed about
1: it. I've been doing exactly the same thing with my coffee since January. So like I would have had like two a day when i have been down to like one a day now. Um, And for exactly the same reason, I'm quite like a high stress individual. So for me, I was like, I'm just going to take this away and see if it helps me. And it has. But the other thing is you find that like sometimes you may be using it as a bit of a crutch. The thing is with habits... I find is, is is a momentum so if like there's there's gonna be a sticking point where it's gonna be tough mm. and if the more times the more days you can build together like unbroken then the more that becomes a habit and the more you don't want to break it so like if you think of like for yourself going in and doing the switch on every morning or doing less coffee the more time that goes on where you do that the more you'll not like say coming to three in the afternoon you're like oh I'll just have two coffees now so for myself I'm kind of like I could have another coffee, but I've done all this thing and I do this now. So I'm just, I'm not going to do yeah. it. So, yeah. like, I think with habits, it's important for people to realize that there is going to be a sticking phase. But if you can push through and just keep adding like another day on top, then there's less, you've got less reason to go back to the other way, 100%, I think. Yeah.
0: Well, that's like when you were training people who are starting into new training programs or new diets or whatever it might be. There's always that point where it's going really well. It's quite easy for a certain period of time. And people who get through that kind of plateau, that's when you really see the results. I think it was you have a thing about it takes, is it four weeks for other people yeah. to notice? and then, whoa.
1: So like with a body transformation, it takes four weeks to feel a difference. In the first four weeks, everyone writes to me in the emails, oh my God, my energy, I can't believe how much better I feel. But there's not like a huge physical change. And then eight weeks then everyone starts to notice it. So like I'll be saying to them, you, just, you look, you know, keep doing what you do, and your definitely definitely working. But they might not see that change because we're all like our own biggest critic, and we see ourselves every day, so we don't see those mm. changes happening. But then twelve weeks, you will see the difference. So if you stick with, so the guys who are doing the transformation now with us, if they stick with it for the twelve weeks, there'll be a huge difference. But they might not see. They definitely probably didn't see it in the first four weeks, but they felt it. At a certain point, everyone might have been saying it to them around them, but then they didn't quite believe yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But then you get to that twelve-week mark, and it's
0: undeniable. That's what I say with performance as well, Johnny. If you're doing different things in the gym, um, exactly like that, you're switching. I think the first few weeks you probably maybe felt a little bit of a difference. Then you physically started to move a little bit better. People might have noticed it. For example, your posture—you might mm. have looked a bit more upright. But it probably took you a bit longer to really see it, or maybe through whether it's pictures or visual cues, then you noticed the difference.
2: Yeah, I never actually. Through the sort of six weeks out in century, I never like I was doing three sessions a day. Uh, I never saw that different. You know the difference yeah. in terms of, but like other people would have seen it. So after four weeks, uh, you know, a couple of the S and C guys from Leinster came out, and they were like, you know, I've never seen him move so well. And and I was like, oh well, well you know, I didn't feel it myself. Um It just you know you. you I, and then if you keep stay like, like if you keep sticking with it. Then eventually you'll see like you see yourself in a game and go, shit, I, or you'll see the proof, you'll see the, the, your highest speed is, is better than ever yeah. uh, on the pitch. So, uh, yeah, like proof is in the in the pudding. Yeah. Like, um, that's that's where the joy comes in and that's where all the hard work gets gets paid off and you do see the difference but often you have to sort of break through that barrier you're talking about to, to, to get to that point.
1: Definitely and I, I think the, like, the really important thing with that is just having faith in the process. Like, you, when you went to see him, you're like, like you're saying, you might not be feeling a difference, but you obviously had the faith in the process to keep turning up and keep doing three a days. And then someone gives you that bit of encouragement, and then you're like, "Oh, this is definitely working." So, like, if you think of us with the training and nutrition side of things, if you can just go like, "This is gonna work," if I just keep stacking one day on top of the next day on top of the next day, then that's what gets you to keep turning up to the gym. Whereas the minute you kinda of lose faith in the process, you stop going. So then you like you said, you don't get to that point where you get that proof yeah. of this is working and then it's something you're always gonna do. Yeah, so
2: I think with the when you're talking about the habits and building them, I think you almost have to plan um, like really well. So if it's a range of training or nutrition or whatever, that you plan it so that you, you don't have an excuse to forget about it. Because like you said, if you miss a day or a couple of days, it's very easy to fall back into the always. Whereas I think if you plan it really well, um you know you stick to that plan and that's kind of part of it and then almost you know a few weeks later you don't have to plan anymore you just know it's ingrained in you and i think the first person that ever spoke to me about habits was, was joe schmidt and um, when he first came into leinster you'd remember him yeah. and he used to have this phrase you know yeah you are what you do every day um, and i kind of you know, when he first said, it, I was like, what is he talking about? But, you know, you are, you know, what you do every day. So if you get up in the morning and you're disciplined, or if you're all out of bed uh, and you just rock up to training with no plan, with no preparation, that's who you're going to be. You're going to be that sloppy individual come the weekend. And uh, he was the first person that kind of, you know, started rubbing off on on me that way. Um, And definitely changed the way I think about, you know, I used to think that, you know, you had a goal at the end of the season, which was, might be to to win a Heining Cup. And, you know, you could, you could sort of slack at certain times and then peak at certain times. But eventually I got found out and his thing was, you know, you're hard to do every day and it was always harped on. And, um, you know, if you stack day on day on day, like you talk about the, the Saturdays look after themselves. Yeah. And then if you stack up four Saturdays in a row, well, then the, the end of the season looks after itself. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So the it's sort of just building that momentum. And, um, of course there's times where you got to, Switch off and, and, uh, almost planning for those times, yeah. you know, planning switch off yeah, yeah. times so that when you are switching off, you can do it properly and you don't feel guilty about it because you're breaking your, you've almost said, right, I'm planning a week off here. I'm, I'm planning to do absolutely nothing. So then when you're doing it, you can actually enjoy doing it yeah. and know that you're going back to a plan the week after. Th- that's a big one, though, because it even, look, we have a lot of people that doing exams or,
0: you know, they've got professional practice stuff to continue. They, the gym can often fall by the wayside when that's coming up. But like if they've planned for say that two week period where they're on study leave and they know they're going to have to slam themselves, they can plan to say maybe only do two sessions a week and they don't feel bad because mm. they're getting their, they're getting their sticking to their plan and that's what helps them feel good still, you yeah.
2: know. I think it allows you to be present as well in whatever you're doing. So if you know that, okay, the, the main thing for me is my exams at the end of the day, but if I can make an hour for training that's actually going to improve my exams yeah. um and you can be present when you're training you don't have to be worrying about like going to you know get straight back to the library or you know get a certain amount of you, you can be in that it. Moment. You, yeah you can just enjoy the gym say right this is the hour i plan for enjoy it work hard and then you know i'm going to go and do my three hour study or four hour study after it and, and, and that's planned for as well so obviously you don't want you know Everything totally like rigid, plan, but yeah. as, as much as you can, you know what I mean. And uh, planning the unplanned time, uh, is, is probably so you're getting cute, cryptic right? here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it makes sense in my head
1: (laughs) what you said about planning your exams like one of my memories of being in Leinster one of the things I took from watching you was um, I remember I was doing my uh, second year exams and uh, like we had to move around like if you're doing it you'd move around your gym sessions so I moved I, I kept the pitch sessions where they are but then the gym sessions, I said to Tommy and Dan, I'm going to go do them in the evenings because that will allow me to study better and do my exams. So I remember coming in and I was going in at like 7 o'clock at night, walking over from UCD and then doing the weights and then walking home. Um And like the whole time I was in there for like the first few days on my own. So I was like, I'm going to be in there on my own now. I'll do what I want with the music. Uh, <laughs> Bruce Springsteen all the yeah. way. But then I, I, I remember I walked in and then you were in the gym and I was like, what are you doing in here, Johnny? And I was shocked because obviously you were playing that week in the Heineken Cup game and uh, you were like, on I'm doing my finals uh, in Commerce and UCD. And I was just like, oh my God, like I thought I was great walking in here doing my second year exams but you're playing in the Heineken Cup that week and then doing your your session in the evening. So like that for me as a young player, like it really did set a really good example and it really stood to me that I was like, I I actually am never going to get too busy or never going to get too far in the rugby to not study and you kind of touched on it there with how you managed to do that but like in terms of your practice of doing the study and training at the same time Mm -hmm. like aside from the planning was there anything else that helped you through that stage
2: I think just knowing that um studying can be good for my rugby and knowing that you know the rugby can be good for my studying like that was someone actually telling me that at the time was was key because I was getting so stressed about you know uh, thinking that the study was going to take away from my performance because I was getting up early you know studying for a couple of hours before training doing the pitch session and then going off studying and then maybe coming back and doing my weights in the evening time and I was thinking you know I could play like shit here this weekend and and no one's going to make an excuse for you no one's going to say oh he's doing exams it's okay you know people don't make excuses for you and and you know professional rugby they they only just see the end product so um but it actually it coincided with one of my you know best seasons um doing my exams um it was the year in 2011 so the year we won the hunting cup i was would have been doing exams in around that christmas time and the the summer time in around you know the knockout stages of Heineken Cup, and then towards the, I'm uh, oh, sorry, the group stages of Heineken Cup of Christmas, and then the knockout stages um at the sort of end of March, April, all that that period. So, um just knowing that one could be beneficial, uh, I was going, oh, okay, well, I didn't think of it that way. So, you know, going and, and having you know doing a three-hour study window, uh, you know, it takes your mind off rugby, takes your mind off you know, constant, same thoughts. And, and then just when you're playing rugby, then, you know, it's a, it's a break from the exams. And yeah. it, was a, it was it was great. You know, it had some challenges. I remember we had one game um, over in Bath. I think it was a Sunday noon kickoff. And I had an exam the next morning. And I remember, like, literally playing the game, changing, sharing. Didn't even go to the post-match meal. Just w- got on straight on the bus and just opened my books. And I was, like, literally... 12 hours at it almost till to, to the next morning um, or 24 hours I should say um, you know so it was it had definitely had challenges but uh, you know my temptation during that period would have been to just defer just say right just do them do them in August do them all yeah. in August but uh, uh, someone just uh, persuaded me just to stick at it and I managed to, to get through to them did well in my exams and, and uh, you know kept it together on the pitch and played well so uh, like I said it was pretty good for me I think
0: well, that's probably, uh, like that stands with you, I imagine, for the rest of your life in terms of like a really positive self-efficacy that you can juggle two major responsibilities, like kids now, you know, you're coming back from Lions Tour over the summer, coming straight back into like probably a lot of different responsibilities to juggle. So that, that's probably something that really stood to you through that.
2: Yeah. Um, definitely. Um. I think when you have kids as well would have been a rugby player it can be really tough um you know when you talk when i talk about those soft tissue injuries um and having a tight back like you gotta be careful you know you're changing nappies you're in a bad you know, <laughs> position you're picking children up out of cots you're carrying them around you're you know you're putting stress on places and you're putting extra stress on yourself that without even knowing it's stress. So it might be. You need to strap uh, to your back to pull the shoulders Yeah. Back, yeah. It? Uh, but it might be like not stressful with you at the time in terms of like, you know, you've got a, a newborn kid. It's, it's the best time of your life and it's brilliant. Everything's brilliant, but it's putting extra stress on you without actually knowing. So when you're picking up those soft tissue injuries, you look at a lot of guys that have had kids over the years and you know, often, you know, it's, it's only a matter of weeks when they have the kids and they get a soft tissue injury and it's, it's, due to just changing circumstances. You used to come home from training. Well, I did anyway. Come home from training, have a couple of hour kip on the couch, have a meal, you know, That's have gone. my dinner, go meet the lads, play crazy golf, go to the cinema, go out for dinner. Um, you know, th- things change. You come home and you, you've got three hours with the kids. It's not the same time off rugby as, as it was before. You know, you got to, you know, for me now, my recovery's done like at seven o'clock when they go to bed. And I'll do something between, you know, seven and nine recovery wise, like proper. And um, sometimes it'll be go to go for a swim or go for, you know, even a jacuzzi or, you know, get a stretch or. Get a massage, something like in the evening time, um, might be just go out for dinner, uh, with my wife and, and, and that, that's a switch off as well. So it's just finding that time where you can come down off after a day, uh, days training. And, uh, when you sort of first have the kids, you, you don't get that time, you gotta make it. Um, so it has challenges all along the way. I think.
0: What, what's your favorite type of recovery? Is it, um, is it that mental switch off you're talking about or is it the physical? I think Reese talked about, uh, Dipping the forty foot or out in sea point was his yeah. favourite thing that he would have to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah
2: I've probably come full circle in, in, in that regard. I think there was times where going out for a dip in the sea or ice baths or the things like that I used to think were the best thing for me recovery wise. Whereas now everything is a little bit more what's the right term? I think it's like parasympathetic recovery. It's sort of, you know, I'm up here here most of the day. I gotta come down now and, and yeah. actually relax rather than, you know, jumping into an ice bath. You know, it's probably just gonna shock, his shock system. your system, increase your cortisol, and it's probably not going to be beneficial for me. So, for me, it might be a little bit of mindfulness, bit of might be just chill out, just you know, get a massage or, or do a bit of stretching, and um, you know, get an early night. Actually, just do something to to chill out.
1: I think with recovery, it's very like individual, as in. I remember when we were in college reading papers on recovery and you like, the skins at the time were the popular thing versus the ice bath. And then you're looking at like the percentage change in performance and it's like a tiny, like 2%, 3%. But obviously that's a huge deal at elite performance. But you're looking between the papers and you're like, there's actually not that much of a difference. And I remember at the time going, like, looking at it through the eyes of like what I found worked for me. So like, I never really found the skins worked for me that much, but I found doing like an ice bath or doing a stretch or a jacuzzi or a swim I felt that that worked for me so then I was thinking try stuff and then listen to your body and like do what makes you feel good so if a dip in the 40 foot makes you feel way better and you can do something the next day do that if going for a jog or a cycle makes you feel better do that if it's going out for dinner and just switching off if it makes you feel better, do that. Because I think you're playing around with such small margins when you're comparing all the different recovery strategies that yeah. I don't think any one of them really stands out as going like, even if you hate it, you have to do this. Yeah.
2: I think I think you're dead right. Like there's guys to try and tick all the boxes. Like we talked Jamie obviously just retired this week, but he was a man that like I don't know how he found time, but he every sort of recovery modality every sort of system you could use he was on it like you know what i mean if it was he had a game ready he had a normatech he had you know he was doing ice baths he was going sea recovery he was doing reflexology uh, acupuncture you name anything and he was doing it and um again you know he can do that because he's got a bit of time, he's got no kids. Um, I had to sort of pick and choose and and decide, you know, what parts were working best for me. So I have sort of started to figure out that sort of those relaxing ones were definitely sort of helping me a lot more, even just getting better sleep hygiene, giving up a little bit of coffee, making sure I get to bed a little bit earlier, stack that up over the course of a week, you get an hour extra every night, you get six hours extra sleep before a game couple of naps during the day like you're feeling a bit better um you know and you don't have to put yourself and then when you do need to do an ice bath if you've got like a, a bad at home or something you get a, a real kick off it of then you know yeah. you do you get that sort of um I forget the right word for it but you get a you get like a, a response to it yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Well that's probably as well like being open-minded with like especially your stage of your career as well you've probably done like you've had a couple of different coaches in Leinster different coaches that you've worked with um in France with the Lions um like you're going to pick up a lot of different things and being open-minded is probably a really big part of that to help you learn from the experience and for experience to become the best teacher for you is, is there anything that you've picked up over the last couple of years working with those different coaches in terms of the culture like imagine France is probably a very different culture playing and training wise in Ireland is the lines even being based in New Zealand for that long with the World Cup like it, from those different cultures is there any big things that you've picked up on that you try to take
2: into your game or into your training practice I'd like to think that I, I've always learned uh like year on year and I'm still learning like now I've been at it you know over 10 years and, and I'm still learning every day um and I think that's the, the a good place to be um I think the the power of the mind I think is somewhere that you know I haven't that I've started tapping into over the last couple of years um, you know in terms of the mindfulness in terms of um, you know using different types of tools uh, like um, you know visualization things like that that I wouldn't have never used before these type of you know um, I've, I would have read a little bit about them I'd actually sort of practicing them and um, sort of getting into them over the last couple of years I think has helped um, I think trying to just block out a lot of distractions is key as well and it's easier said than done um in the game that we're in with the especially in this period you know the 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 hype in and around the games um the the scrutiny um you know one week you, you'll be brilliant the next you'll be you know bottom of the barrel um, and if you listen to all that and it's very hard to get away from it like yeah. you, you know you can make every effort to stay away from it but it can only take a a text from a friend who means good um that sort of you know, gets your mind up and thinking, you know, I, uh, like even after the French game, you know, you You probably had a lot of texts after French game. like you you get hundreds of texts and it's, they're all brilliant and, and so you can't, you can't stay away from the good side of it and then, um, you know, against Wales, um, I missed a couple of kicks that, that I should have gotten. And then a lot of people are, you know, they're texting you going, Oh, I know you missed a couple. And, and they're putting those, those yeah, bad yeah. thoughts in your head. So they mean well and, and thing. But, you know, as a kicker, I probably go through it more than anyone that it's, it, it's high of the highs or low of the lows. You know what I mean? And, um, it, it's a game within a game that can, it can drive you crazy at times. Um, you know, I would have prepared really well for the Welsh game. Um, you know, there, there was a little bit of a breeze into me in the first half. I didn't quite catch like a couple of kicks and, and just, they just moved on the breeze and a couple of ones I hit pretty well and they, they still kind of moved a bit. So it just takes, you know, it, it can take a uh, literally one inch of a difference uh, in one part of my kicking to get it back. But, you know, you're scrutinized on a Saturday. You know, if I missed one of them on a Wednesday, uh, no one sees, matter, no yeah. one cares. Um, but, you know it's the it's the scrutiny that goes with it and trying to stay away from it and not get too wrapped up in it's definitely the hardest part for me anyway. and would you would be a guy who avoids the news avoids the papers or does it you try you yeah. try but it, it is tough it's 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 really tough to avoid all kind of opinion and um you know I was, I was over visiting a mate um the other night he had a, he had a pretty serious operation recently and I half went over to, to obviously support him and because and, um, I wanted to visit him and and obviously there was a selfish part of me that wanted to get a bit of perspective um, you know on on life and stuff and, and I went over to see him and when I was over visiting him like there was lots of people in the room but there was the, there was some TV show on about rugby and, and they were talking about me and, and kicking and, and I, it was the last thing I needed yeah. so you, you can't avoid it at all times um, but uh, you know trying to make the effort to avoid it, is, it definitely helps I think Well I'm like, glad you brought up the kicks then so I don't have to say it and sound like an <laughs> arsehole but uh, it's funny because
0: myself and Rudds were chatting about it beforehand and like was there something w- when say you miss a guy no, I know I'm half when I'm playing as well and like Ruds we talk about in our own kind of rugby careers like when you make mistakes how the the ability to, to bounce back from mistakes like that was probably from, from what I have read in the paper and what I've seen on TV like I don't I haven't seen many physical performances from you at that level where you know lots of turnovers like you think you made I can't remember how many yards you made but like carried very physically was that something that was a reaction to was a bit of frustration that kind of maybe brought a bit more out of him maybe, maybe
2: increased your performance in other aspects of the game no I don't think so I think I was going to Try and produce one of those performances anyway. I think we were really up for the game last week um, for lots of different reasons. Um, look, with the, with the championship, Wales coming over, having a couple of bad results against them in the past. Yeah. Like I think that kind of physical performance would have happened anyway, whether I, you know the ball was going over or not. Um, look, the margins, I think, when it comes to kicking, are, they're they're so small. Um, and like I said, one little mistake and one kick and one another, and suddenly you've you've missed a couple, and then. You know, I had two more from the touchline where I actually hit them pretty well both times. Hit them, and I said they're gone over. And then just at the death, they just died off. Um So look, it leads to a couple of s- few sleepless nights. A couple, you know, you know, demons in your head. You, you've got to, you know, somehow distract them and and um, you know get them get rid of them pretty quick. The worst thing is there was no game this week, so you you know you got another. Week it would have been called off anyway if it was. It would have been first called ahead. off, yeah. Um, so it's been. You know there but i suppose as a kicker you know that you know what i mean you've you can sometimes you can kick badly and get away with it um and and some of them can go over other times you can kick well and you can you can you know in terms of striking the ball you can strike the ball well and it could be a wind or it could be a you know something happens just before the kick that can affect you so um i've been there lots of times before um it's definitely hard um you know when I see other kickers like I even I think it was Owen Farrell had something similar in the very first game of the championship over in Italy Um, and I sort of say to myself oh he just had he just had one of those days but I can never really say that about myself you know I find it very tough to to let it go and not think about it a lot so um,
0: but I'm sure that's the same for him anyone in that position it's like a quarterback you know anyone who ultimately the responsibility comes on you to put the ball over the bar like you're going to be probably harder on yourself than anyone else is
2: yeah, it's, but it's just strange the way you know. I can look at you know, you look at other kickers. I've seen Johnny Wilkinson, the best kicker ever, probably, and having days like that. And I would sit there and I go, oh, you know, everyone, everyone has a bad day. You look at Tom Brady, the the greatest quarterback ever, and, and you know he has bad days. But and I can say that sitting watching him, going, oh, you know, everyone has bad days. But when I have a bad day, I can never just say, <laughs> oh, I had a bad day. It'll literally fester and burn me up inside for for ages, um, so it's probably my worst trait and probably a good trait as well that I never get you know, too far ahead of myself.
1: Like Roy said, something me and were about in terms of our own rugby, like that thing and moving on from mistakes, so like for myself, when I was younger, something I didn't deal with that well as in like I'd make a mistake and then like it would eat at me for like during the game Mm. and then I like I remember working with Adam McNulty on how to get past that so he talked about the next play and all that type of like saying next play but even at that I still found it difficult to actually do that Mm. and only with experience like Roy said about that phrase, phrase of experience being the greatest teacher now I'm getting I'm 29 now So now I'm at the stage in my career now with my rugby where I can make a mistake and I'm way, way better than I ever was at just like going, ah, I messed up there. I gave away that penalty. I did that. You give away a lot of penalties. I do give away a lot of penalties. (laughs) Uh, I was on for like 13 minutes and then they give away a few, but like (laughs) I think, but it doesn't affect me as much anymore because I'm more experienced. And now if I was to go back and give advice to my 21 year old self, what I'd say to myself is just, like, accept it and just go, who cares? Mm. And then just don't even make it such a big deal. Just be more relaxed about it because that's what works for me. Whereas when I was like saying to myself, next play or doing that, what I found is I was like forcing it too much. Mm. And it was still so, like, I'd be saying that in my head and there'd still be the voice going, yep, you've you messed up there. <laughs> and then that would keep coming back. And I felt like I was like fighting against the current and then that would, that, that, that would affect me. Whereas now, I'm more relaxed about it. And I go, that was really stupid. But okay, next, let's go. And then I just get on with the game. And I found that being more relaxed is what works for me. So if I was to go back and speak to the 21 year old Kieran and I was in a match, the advice I'd give him was just relax. Yeah. And in terms of for yourself, like based on your experience, if you could go, if you could either go back and talk to yourself when you're younger, or advice you'd give to a young player coming up now what kind of one or two bits of advice would you give to a young player based on the experience you've had now of playing for so long?
2: Oh, it's a tough question. Um, to go back to the first point, I think like I, I'd definitely be better moving on in the game, yeah. but I'm still not as good after the game. Um, you know, I need to learn how to just debrief with someone and I still haven't found the the sort of right person to sort of be able to sit down with and go through everything. I have a couple of people that I do with that do help um but actually just talk about it and just sort of say, right, um this is what happened with these kicks and get it off your chest. Um during the game I'm in the moment. I can I can move on. I can I can deal with it. Um but it's after the game it still would fester at me, you know, for a couple of days, few days, um, you know, especially at night time when you're trying to go to sleep and you you give your mind a chance to really go at you but in terms of going back and talk to my, to talking to myself um, like I wish I didn't take things as serious as I do uh, which sounds strange uh, but it's kind of what got me to where I am yeah. you know I'd always have concentrated on on the mistake that I made for example in that Wales game I might have done if I did 100 things I might have done 90 things right and you know 10 things wrong and all I think about is the 10 things wrong and it's probably what's kept my feet on the ground um, a lot of the time. And then at other times it drives me mad. I'm like, why can't I, you know, you see these, some, some young guys come through and it's like the mistakes never happen. It's like they're, they're just so confident and look, maybe they're, you know, they, maybe they have times at home where, they, where they're not like that or maybe they, they just have that, you know, maybe they think the same about me, but um, it, it's, it's a hard thing to, to do. And um, it's really little bit ingrained in it like how you're brought up and stuff like that it, it's probably a lot to do with that so it's uh it can be a harder kind of thing to, to get rid of than you think
0: it's it's probably not a negative though like if you look at the best players in the world and anything even like Tiger Woods in golf forever. like he's a guy who would have been extremely hard on himself mm-hmm. again you you tend to focus on the poorer parts of your performance because that's what's going to make you get better like I think it's it's difficult to say like for you if there was say 10 10 out of the 100 things that you weren't happy with like from watching you on TV, like it doesn't really look like it's eating up at that moment. Same as I watch some of the younger guys. I so you watch Joey Carberry. Like he he plays so freely; doesn't look like it bothers him. But he could be the exact same when he goes home afterwards. You just don't really know.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: In terms of that, like you're talking about sort of highs and lows in your career. What would the what's the biggest high and what's the biggest
2: low? There's been lots about. Um, do you know what I mean? Like it's the depends who you ask. You know, a lot of people only remember the highs. ask other people that only remember your bad bits um for me like i think if i could concentrate on the the good bits a little bit more it would definitely help me in terms of you know i can think of all the like finals that you know Leinster we we didn't win um all the times we you know yeah at the early stage so we didn't perform at the biggest stage um, and then we went through a period where we we only knew success and, and um like, at times you wish you could just concentrate on the good stuff and be this ultra-confident, you know, strut-around-the-place kind of personality. Um, but then I don't think you'd have the drive, you know, to, to get up and You're go not going to be as know. grounded, I wouldn't imagine, if if you're only
0: living in the highs all the time.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, I think the, the, the losses are there for a reason. They drive you and, and you learn way more from them. And uh, But in terms of picking one high and one low, I, I find it very hard. Like, because there's so many personal moments like of a high that people wouldn't even see as, as that being like it might be a bounce back game where you know you've had a period of time where you just haven't played well and people have written you written you off and, and you come out and you you put in a great performance. And that might be, you know, just a personal game where you think like that was that was a personal high. But, you know, then the team highs are, you know, anytime you lift a trophy, yeah. you know, and, and what goes with that, you know, the two or three days after where you're smiling (laughs) because you know it's like you've been up in the club uh up in mary's after you win you know a trophy that you've you know you spent all the year trying to do and you think of all the years that you you spend trying to win something and you don't win it like you could go five years like i in 2012 we won our third hunting cup in four years and i thought like this is gonna happen like this is just what it is we're gonna win this every year five years later like you're sat there thinking you know are we ever going to win another one like um and obviously we've got a good chance this year but uh yeah you, it's those good times yeah. that you you know the the two days after the you win a trophy and good celebrations of yourself and ben knocking around over uh, in well New that, Zealand that was after a draw <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine we won yeah. um, so there there's you know, they're the moments that you that you work hard for, and the moments where you've no worries that you just you, you've done what you set out to achieve. You've got nothing coming up for four weeks, and and it's just a it's a great time to 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 win. And um, you know, hopefully now over the next couple of weeks we'll have one of those moments. Yeah. Um, you know, if we can. Get a win against Scotland and, and and then England, it would it would lead to a pretty special. Uh, you you and the rest of the country, I'd say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's sort of a big responsibility, isn't it? But it's uh, it's something that you have to kind of um, sort of look on excited about it rather than. You know, I, I find sometimes I can get caught up with. Oh my, if I if we play badly here, and we lose, and we and we let the country down, and, and then they don't. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah. if you go where we can? We can make the the country go bonkers here. We can, yeah, you know, look at it positively. Like as little to achieve, it. yeah. Well, it's it's trying to to think like that. Um, it takes a little bit less pressure off because it's you know you you go out there and you it's something to achieve rather than something not to lose. Um, so. <laughs>
0: For a guy like you who sets his standards so high and I'd imagine the same within the Ireland camp, Leinster camp, Lions camp, or like any team you've played in, I'd imagine the standards are set very high. When you do win a tournament or or you know, you go out and you have an unbelievable game, is it more a sense of relief or that that you did what you set out to do, or can you actually enjoy it at that level?
2: Um a bit about, yeah. like it it can be tough to to fully enjoy it like when it's it's Pretty high pressure but I think it's when you're on the pitch. It's the the week prep can be you know the hard part. You know it can be enjoyable. There's definitely enjoyment in it. Um, at bad times, um, you know you are in a bubble. You're with the other lads that are going through the same thing, so you create this kind of like you know um, you know team spirit. It's like there's no other distractions in the outside world, and um you know that can that can be an enjoyment in itself. You know when you're preparing for a big game, but there is times where it's pretty stressful a lot of pressure um, and you just wish that you were you know in Sunday morning uh, day after the game and you've won and you're just enjoying it you've played well and you wish for that Um, and then when it does arrive you kind of wish that you'd enjoyed the the process of getting there a bit more so um, it's hard to I think sometimes now it's not enough just to win Um, you know sometimes you can win and and not get full enjoyment you got to win and play well and, and play really well for me anyway, um, to get that sort of full enjoyment out of um, a week or a tournament.
1: I think the thing you said there about, like, I can identify so much with that. I was reading a book during the summer that All Blacks won the legacy and it's like the one that has chapters in it is pref- pressure as a privilege. So, like, in terms of, first of all, with the rugby side of things, like, I remember all the all my kind of, like, rugby highlights with the ones where I was so nervous for so long and like the day or two before was absolutely horrible mm. I remember like warming up and like horrible not wanting to be there and then like you'd go out and you'd play really well and the team would play really well and you get that win and like it was just like that feeling you had I think you had to go through that stuff for that to be special whereas yeah, exactly. I don't think like if you didn't have that stuff you wouldn't get that opportunity to have that unbelievable high and then if you take that out for myself in terms of the last few years with the with the business it's like there's now like coming to work and doing stuff like there's more pressure and it's different as in like there's more people depending on us to do a really good job or what we're doing but then that is what makes it unbelievable and that's what like we're able to have like loads of people and help loads of people and all that type of stuff so for myself trying to like you're saying it's like constant battle of trying to view these things like having more responsibility is a good thing Mm. and having the opportunity to do something that mightn't go very well and could be a disaster but at the same time it could be unbelievable and then trying to wrap my own head around that I go and this is actually a really good thing this is what I want I want to be challenged I want to do well if it's a workout I want to do the really tough workout even though there's part of my head that's going oh you could do the easier one but you know when you do the really tough one like that's going to be the unbelievable feeling at the end of it and the same with like the rugby side of things when i can feel myself getting really nervous for a day or two before trying to tell myself that this is a really good thing this is what's going to make me play really well or when i do play well this what's going to make me feel unbelievable and then with the business side of things getting a scary opportunity and my first instinct is like oh god this is a lot of pressure now but then going well this is actually a huge opportunity if this goes well. Exactly. So, like, I think, I, but like, I don't think you necessarily like totally flip a switch, but like being more aware and thinking logically in your head, where the part of your brain kicks in, and you get that like fear reaction. And then the logical part of your brain goes, Well, no, actually, this is what I want. I want to have this responsibility. I don't want to be,
2: you know, dealing yeah, exactly. with the yeah, small yeah. chips. I want yeah. to have the big chips. That's- I suppose the consequences or try not to think about, you know, the consequences, what if scenarios, I think is definitely a big help. You know, what if we don't succeed here? What if, what if you do like, what, you know, what's going to happen? You know, if you do, you know, get a couple of huge results and you get a week to celebrate, you know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of painting the best picture possible, isn't it? And, and sort of just throwing yourself into it. Um, well, f-
0: focusing on the process and that kind of thing is the biggest thing that I, what I find with most people I work with myself. I think it was um, Justin Thomas uh, won the FedEx Cup last year in on in, um, the PGA Tour. And I remember reading a quote that his dad rang him to ask him, had the, the $10 million check cleared into his account yet for winning the FedEx Cup. And he's like, "What's what's the ten million bucks for?" And he's like, uh, "When you win the FedEx Cup, you win you know ten million bucks." for. It. but he was so focused on just winning each tournament that he didn't even think like he only wanted to be the tour champion. He didn't yeah, think yeah. think of the the outcome. And he said he was just so focused on in you know the last couple of rounds, every shot, the process of becoming the tour champion that like that outcome you're talking about. What if I win all this money? It just never even came into his mind.
2: Like yeah, I, would say, really- I would say most sports people would be like that, and people you know, that that aren't involved say, Ah, oh, that's bullshit, you know. But genuinely I don't think I've ever played a game where you've thought, Oh, if you win this, you know, you win this never. Yeah. Never once. It's always about the trophy and and the the sort of celebration that you'll have with your mates, uh, your teammates, and and your family and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I can see definitely where your man's coming from.
0: That actually leads in really nicely to when we put up on social media asking for questions for you. Like a, I think nearly everybody asks the same question about the the drop kick against France. Like obviously there's a process you're going through. It looked very structured. You know the exit from your 22, how you built through the phases to to get up. Like one is your composure in that environment you really looked like you were kind of controlling everything that was happening and then when
2: did you think about the drop kick as a player so I think the, the, the initial plan was obviously look get it into get into France's half and um, obviously we needed to get the ball back from the kickoff get into France's half and you can see that we're looking for you know a penalty ideally um, but unlike pretty, the French not to give away a penalty as well I mean. yeah well they were trying their best um but we, you know, we were never going to get it really. Um, if you look at one of the penalties, um, one of the guys comes in off his feet, lies in the ball, pretends to roll away, yeah, continues, so and we didn't get one then. So then it kind of switched to right drop goal, and then because we had taken so long to get in the position, I think uh, once we got that little bit of forward momentum, you know, I don't think the boys would have been able to keep stepping up. You know, it was five and a half minutes or whatever it was that, um. You know, you could tell, you know, guys' energy is running out. So once we got that little bit of momentum, it was a case of just trying to uh, pull the trigger, get them get them going backwards and then go for it. Um, you know what I mean? So it was, a, it was a pretty special moment for all of us. Um, you could tell that by the, you know, obviously the, the subs' reaction, the guy they put in, so much hard work, the, the subs that had come on, um, management. You know, we had a high aerial view of the the celebrations after i don't think the tv cameras got it fully like but we had obviously another camera angle that wouldn't have been seen and just everyone just swarmed each other like so it was it was definitely one of those moments that um you wish you could go back and relive um but it's, it's a bit of a blur now, to be honest. Um, but It, it, was, it, it was reminds crazy. me of when
0: uh, Packy Bonner was asked like about one of the biggest regrets of his career, and he was like, uh, or David O'Leary, sorry, after he scored that penalty, he was like, not moving when everyone jumped on him. Like, I saw Bundy Aki landing straight on top
2: of you, and yeah. then he would pile up, yeah. Well, the lads were starting me because I was running away from them. Um, <laughs> but see, I, when I hit the drop goal, I thought, that's good. But then the whistle never blew, so I, I was worried that it didn't, like... so. My initial reaction was, that's gone over. Then I was like, there's no whistle. So, so now, then I was worried I'd celebrate it. Too early. Yeah. And I am gonna look like So then I started running back to look at the big screen. But I think there was another big screen in front of me. So I don't know why I turned to the other one. Um, and then obviously I turn around and, and get tackled by Bundy. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, I just couldn't keep my feet. He was so heavy uh, <laughs> But uh no it was a great, great moment. I think look I, I've got a lot of good friends from, from Racing when I played with them that I played against that day and uh I I sort of apologised after for for you know not getting to shake their hand first but uh some ways I wish I you know celebrated even more because there there are special moments um, and hopefully it'll become even more special if we can yeah for sure. you know, make it a part of something else you know if it's a one off game it's still going to be a special moment in in all our careers for for what we did but if we can make it you know part of a something championship bigger. or something bigger it'll, be, it'll it'll be even more special I think yeah here
1: you know when you're saying you got that bit of momentum and then you decide it's time to go, like, is this something that like yourself and Connor are talking about during it, or is it just a case of like, it happens and then instincts kick in and he knows it's time to pass it to you and then you get it, or is it a case of like between phases you're saying? We honestly just nodded
2: at you. like I just gave him yeah. a nod, um, and he just sort of reacted to it. Um, so, it, there, there'd be times where you have to plan a drop goal, like if it's, you know, around the, you know, you've got line it the 22 and you're going to say, right, well, we'll, we'll go to the middle here and we'll, you know, pick and go and, and then go to a drop goal and then Connor has to do something, you know, slightly different. The key there was him getting the ball to me as quick as possible so that they couldn't get their charge down in place. Whereas there's other times where, you know, you're going to have to get him to sit on the ball for a sec, maybe fake the, the pick up uh, to sort of make the defence go forward. So his experience was key and, and the quality of pass that he threw was, was massive and um, gives me a little bit more time to to get set because if you're rushed at all um, from from that distance, yeah. um, it's going to be a hell of a lot tougher. So um, yeah, he was he played a crucial role. And how would that,
0: also I would imagine something like that would give you huge personal confidence, but even for like as a team, like I think I every, surely every player was involved over that five and a half minutes collectively. Yeah. How much confidence does that give you as a unit?
2: I think that was that was the the key thing we looked at it in the review, and we actually watched the the like we've had to sit through a few four minute periods on the other end, where we were yeah. on the end of those, um, you know, and Joe would, would talk to, you like, okay, this is why we lost the game, because of this four-minute period, and, and, you know, one mistake led to another, which led to another, which led to another, which led to then scoring a try, um, whereas now we got to sit back and go, okay, well, one positive thing, another positive thing, another neutral thing, okay, we, we, we gather here, go again, go again, and actually see like that, you know, it was, you know, a, a really... United you, you know, kind of thing like everybody in the 15 played a huge role and yeah. um, you know it could have ended early. I think uh, Robbie Henshaw got the ball out the back and threw it to Rob who almost fumbled it and him just you know catching that ball and, and securing it is as important as uh, anything else in the, in the sequence so um, you know we actually sat down and talked about that and, and said like you know if we're ever in this situation again you know we, you know this is what we can do this is how good we can be and um, we'll take big confidence from it. I think.
0: Just a, two or three really quick other questions that came in. One was the, uh, who's the hardest um, trainer that you've ever trained with in any of the teams you've played played with? Um,
2: Either in the gym or on the pitch. I'd say Paul O'Connell or Jamie Heaslip on Redden. You know, they're three of the the better you know trainers that i have come across. They're ultra competitive, ultra professional. Um, you know, real role models yeah Brilliant. And uh, the toughest player that you've ever played against? Paul O'Connell, maybe. Richie McCaw. Okay. Um, yeah, like, I, you hear the stories of Richie McCaw in 2011, like, wasn't training, you know, week to week, just coming coming in on Saturdays for the games, and, and some of the quality of his performances were incredible. Um, under that pressure, you know, being a captain in the Home World Cup, like, I think that's why he's looked on as one of the greatest Um you know so I'd say him he's he's a hard man and uh, I've only played I've probably played against him a handful of times but each one was, was tough yeah physical good yeah it? and uh, the, the
0: last one which I thought was really interesting one you've kind of touched on a little bit but um, if again like at this stage of your career now does mental strength and mental preparation kind of is it equal to physical prep and your physical training like how you prep mentally for games is that as important to you as it is and how you physically prep
2: I think so yeah it's it's um, you know, just making sure your mindset is right and that you know you've you've got um, it kind of goes hand in hand with preparation like your physical preparation because you know if if that's not right and there's other parts of your preparation that aren't right well, then your mindset can't be right so you know it's it's sort of like a you know ticking the not ticking boxes but making sure you've got everything sort of done during the week to give yourself that sort of strong mindset mentality that okay you've done everything you can to perform and now you just got to go ahead and do it and um yeah, so they're sort of hand in hand. I think they're they're tied in together. You can't just you can't have this incredible mindset based on nothing. Um, you know, you have to. have Some something. players seem to have it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe, but uh, you've got to have something to back it up. Otherwise, I don't think it's real.
0: road says I got a. I don't know if you haven't listened to any episodes, but we have a bit of a quiz uh, at the end of every episode. Yeah, don't worry, I'm gonna come Inside out much worse this. than you are. But uh, Rods,
1: over to you. So. Uh, Normally what we do on the podcast is we have a fitness forfeit so if someone loses they'll do some sort of hard thing but realistically uh, <laughs> we're not going to do that to you and i don't want joe calling me for the first time in a number of years giving out to me so what we're going to do is uh, the loser will buy three decaf coffees after this yeah, uh, yeah that will up. be the forfeit people might not know this a little bit of trivia but there's three proud mary's men in the room here obviously you played for mary's i'm currently playing for mary's and a bit of trivia rory pulled on the blue shirt and put in a man-of-the-tournament uh, man performance in Donnybrook for us uh, two years ago in the Dublin 7s so I thought we'd have a Od- little the official man-of-the-tournament probably no he was man-of-the-mary's man, well, man tournament I yeah. don't know I think about <laughs> folded four, by the players I think yeah. about four Lambdam fellas pipped you to the post Yeah, in that's the actual one yeah. they hammered us in the final but um you were the Mary's man in the tournament, so I thought I'd come up with a Mary's quiz to see if yourself or oh. Rory are the bigger Ma- Mary's we man. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: more true. Some Johnny are both Beckett men originally, probably. Yeah, yeah. I've been Beckett yeah, for Bechtf.
2: years. Yeah. For
1: my home club I could have yeah, roped, I, I roped in my old man yeah, you he,
0: yeah, 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 Your old man I remember we won the uh, yeah. under 20s uh, in Donnybrook years ago and he was kind of influential in getting all the alakadoos to sink a few quid behind the bar for us yeah. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, be great. it was a good Friday I think so all the pubs were closed he looked after us big time yeah. <laughs> a great weekend
1: so we're going to go with a Mary's quiz and uh, basically the way it's going to work is each person will be asked three questions alternate fashion so We've got Johnny up first, and then it'll be Rory's turn. If you get it right, you get a point. If you don't know the answer or you pass on it, then what's going to happen is it'll go over to the other person. They'll have an opportunity to get a point. I will have a clue. <laughs> if at the end of the three questions each, it's a tie-break, we'll have a sudden death one. Okay. It'll be whoever shouts their name first, comes in, they'll get a chance at it, and they'll be the winner. So...
0: If, if you lose this you can't ever show your face. This often. isn't being put
2: on
1: air. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be impressed if this goes to sudden death. I'll okay. be happy with <coughs> my questions. So, Johnny, in the past 10 years who has been the only player to have captained the club for two years?
2: I think either Gareth Logan or Dara Fanning. I could have a shout at this if he doesn't want us.
1: Logie? Gareth Logan? A big bald fella but not that big bald
2: fella. Hugh Hogan, is it? i not a Hugh Hogan. should have got that. Something I get it. You gave a hint? I did give a hint. Oh, fair enough. I won't yeah. give a <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's Apologies,
1: that's, that's, that's my fault. Yeah. So, question two. Is it still to me? Not no, no, to it's Roy. Meaner, surely, yeah. so, We there, got so. Hugh Hogan. He w- he was the past captain who was involved in the Leinster coaching setup. Who was the other past captain involved in the Leinster coaching setup?
2: Richie Murphy, was
1: he uh-uh.
2: <laughs> Peter Smith.
1: Ah, oh, yeah. So, question two for Johnny. What <laughs> <One> day, <down>, Johnny? <laughs> what What year was St Mary's RFC established? Oh, top looking. He's looking for crests on all of our tops. I'm gonna have to
0: put. I was on, on a, I was
2: there down, for the centenary year and everything. <laughs> Work back from that. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to. <laughs>
0: 1906? I'm going to pass it over, oh, Rory. Oh, Jesus. Uh, what that means it's 1907. <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> 1900. Oh, okay. 2000 was the centenary year. Oh, just going over that. Jesus. Okay, right. Still 1-0, Johnny. Rory, St. Mary's have won two AAL titles in the club's history. What years did that happen? Oh,
0: Jesus. Uh, <laughs> you're looking at me as if you know it. Uh you were playing in one of them if I'm not mistaken yes I
2: was uh, my brother was playing I still don't know the year yeah your brother at, was the, your brother was the, the hero, hero. I, I was
1: up there uh, two try I, hero oh jesus um
0: I uh, f- f- 2000 and uh 12 for yeah. the year you were playing and yeah. then oh god uh, give me like a decade here as a I'm going to say 1994.
1: Incorrect. Yeah, couldn't have been a bigger guess. That so 2012 guess. is one of them. And then well done for getting yeah, one Yeah, thanks very so much. Further. I'm glad I got that. And then we need another
2: one. Was it the centenary year? Was it 2000? <laughs> Correct. It was oh, wow. So half a point each. Maybe that's where it was ringing the bell with the two thousand. Uh, anyway, okay, right. So, so Johnny no, gets it. He wins it. No, if I get this again. Yeah, yeah. pretty much So
1: it. half point for Johnny there, then half point for Rory. And um, Johnny, you toured uh, New Zealand with the Lions. What St Mary's man toured New Zealand as part of the two thousand and five <sighs> Lions squad?
2: Malcolm O'Kelly That's so easy. Dan no, Suki
1: I am gonna pass it over. I'm oh, you gave it.
2: you, can't, you didn't get two guesses. Well, there was two. Two Marys Club men. That yeah, went. Mal didn't go because he got injured, but he actually yeah. did go on the tour. Correct. He know. was on. He was in New Zealand when he came home. He didn't play. And Dennis Hickey went on. The Johnny journey. sounds certain. so. I haven't okay. finished my answer. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> the competitor I hadn't comes finished out. You've got to give him a chance, Ross. Apologies.
1: Yeah, that's fair enough. I'll give him that. Yeah, Dennis Hickey. Yeah, I was Den- thinking that was a great question because everyone yeah. would go Mal, but yeah. then Mal didn't actually no, play. I mean, did Finish. Th- that's
0: uh, actually two and a half to Johnny and a half a point to me. You can you can ask me anywhere From me you I'm going to go is. for
1: it. yes. So, who was St Mary's College' most recent AL league win? Oh, who did you beat yes. uh, Fair that slim picking there's, right? <laughs> there's not many this year not many this you
0: year you beat oh,
2: uh... I think I'm out right. right. this
0: oh you beat Corkon done yeah alright All right. Well, well done, done. Okay, right. so, so Johnny c- takes that one Johnny wins yeah fair enough uh, my one weekend from <laughs> didn't uh, really contribute to that but uh, listen Johnny just want to say thanks again Thank a million you. especially when considering making a huge effort to get into us we appreciate it and uh, best right. of luck over the next couple of weeks um, all the messages that we got in yesterday were all really positive well, well wishing for you although you Thank probably you. wouldn't see the positives in them <laughs> yeah. the time, but, uh, best luck with everything and thanks a million again Johnny thanks a lot we're